Well, friends, take your Bible and go to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We have a tendency to overcorrect. We see this in different parts of our lives. I see it when I'm driving. I'm driving and I am uh, driving for a long distance and I hit the rumble strip, you know. You ever hit the rumble strip? Just makes the whole car vibrate and makes your wife grab your arm real quick, you know. Put her, her fingernails of death into your skin. Uh, my wife doesn't do that, by the way. Anyway, um, so what, what happens when you hit the rumble strip? You, you go, and you rear, rear back the other, rear, turn back the other way, and usually more than you should, right? Overcorrect, or maybe somebody's veering into your lane and you want to get away, so you, and you find yourself in the other person's lane on the opposite side. You know, you have an overcorrection, overcorrection. Sometimes we do this with our children, you know, your parents have done something to you or raised you in a certain way, and you say, I'm not going to do that with my kids, you know. And maybe it's uh, your parents are super strict about a curfew or something, and my parents had made me be at home by 8.30, and so my kids aren't going to have any curfew at all, you know. So it's an overcorrection, like a pendulum is what people use often to describe this. It's, it's where one group of people goes way over here for something, and a group says, okay, that's not exactly how it should be. And so we come back, and except we overcorrect and leave it off-center to go too far in the other direction. I am seeing and starting to believe more and more that I think perhaps we do this in the areas of spiritual gifts for Christians. Because we see spiritual gifts and we see certain churches or Christians doing certain things with certain gifts of the Spirit, specifically about prophecy or speaking in tongues or things like that, and we say, that's not Bible. You know, have you ever seen something like on TV or something? You're like, okay, I don't see that in the Bible. I've seen something like that. And we want, don't want to be there because we don't see that in the Bible, but I think maybe we can come too far over here to overcorrect what we see some brothers and sisters or self-professed brothers and sisters in some cases doing, and we don't want to be there, so we go too far in the other direction. Now, I've been raised in a church that was uh, pretty conservative theologically, but also conservative in uh, the way we practice things, the church services that we're a part of, that I was a part of growing up, and I'm sure this is the case for my wife as well, not super emotional, not super um, showy or expressive in how people would sing. Um, certainly, I have never experienced anybody uh, speaking in tongues in a different language. I'm understanding that to be a different language, by the way. Speaking in tongues in a church service, I've never experienced that growing up. I've rarely experienced somebody give what was called a word of prophecy, um, although that has been a little bit here and there. So that's just kind of been my growing up, and I'm picking up after being with you from seven years that you're generally the same way, um, although there are some outliers of you who are a little bit more um, toward that. And so I understand why we can see things on TV or videos on YouTube of people running up and down the aisles at church, like, you can find crazy things that are done in the name of the Holy Spirit, can't you? Like, there's people that, like, make animal noises in church and, like, fall down on the ground and, like, convulse. 
all in the name of the Holy Spirit, you know, which I'm like, that's might be more satanic than the Holy Spirit. That's that's weird, right? So I don't want to be like that. But at the same time, we come to passages like this in First Thessalonians that talk about things like prophecy and actually telling us not to despise it. And I'm left wondering, okay, have we gone too far in the other direction? Are you tracking with me? This is where I am, and this has been my, my wrestle with this throughout this week. Because I've known this is coming up, but I've just never really had to address it yet. <laughs> and so you got to deal with these things. When they, but and there's another perspective that seems to be to the wrong direction. Like, why do I have to think that I have to deal with God's word? You know what I mean? Like, this is good, right? The Holy Spirit is good, and we shouldn't be afraid of him. And what God's word says about him. But this is why I think I'm too far in this direction. And I think God is helping me come back to God's word here a little bit. And maybe, maybe you need to take a step back this way too. Now, if you're a new Christian or if you're not familiar with these things, this is like, what are you talking about? Let me just tell you that the Holy Spirit lives inside of every real Christian. Amen? The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you and the Holy Spirit gives Two main things. The first one is called uh, fruit of the Spirit, like peace, love, joy, peace, in difficult times, things like that. But the Holy Spirit also gives what are called gifts. Gifts. Things that God wants to do through you, mainly for the upbuilding of the church. Some gifts are for evangelistic purposes. Most of the gifts are for brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that is mainly what this is about today, a particular gift of the Holy Spirit that this church was abusing or actually hating. We don't know exactly why they were hating it. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Anyway, so this sermon is going to contain two points, both of which are founded in our verses for today. The verses will tell us what not to do about prophecy specifically And then what to do about prophecy. Okay, so, thank you for being here and listening well. The first point is this. What he says is, don't despise prophecies. Don't despise prophecies. We see that here in verse 19, or verse 20 actually. First thing he says is, don't quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. It's two instructions, but they're tied together. The first one is don't quench the spirit. Quench is what we do to our thirst, isn't it? You make your thirst go away, but quench in the Bible is what you do to a fire. Holy Spirit is subtly compared to a fire here, and quenching it means to put it out. Don't put out the Holy Spirit. Don't stop the Spirit from working in your church. And the next thing he says is do not despise prophecies. What he's saying is that the way that they were putting out the Holy Spirit is by despising prophecies. They hated prophecies for some reason. And in their hatred, their disgust or dislike of prophecies, they were putting out the Holy Spirit and what he was trying to do in their church. Do you see that there in God's Word? It's very clear. Despising prophecy is actually putting out the Holy Spirit. We see these commands, they're related. 
We read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to, the, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. It's the Holy Spirit that gives this gift of prophecy to some Christians. It says it right here in 1 Corinthians 12. But they hated these prophecies. They despised them. They couldn't stand it. And we wonder, like, why, why are they despising prophecies? Because this is a little bit of the thing that was, I was wrestling with because this is the only time it mentions prophecy in the whole book. It doesn't say anything about prophecy the whole book up until this point. It rarely mentions the Holy Spirit to this point in the book. Mentions the Spirit three times total, and this is the only time it's related to a spiritual gift, specifically the gift of prophecy. What is going on here? And so we have to guess why they despise prophecies. You remember, and if you don't, I'm going to tell you right now, they had a struggle about the return of Christ. Not that they didn't want him to return. They were just unsure about those who had died in Christ, what was going to happen when they returned. And they were mourning like people who had no hope. Perhaps there were some who were prophesying something related to the return of Christ that didn't sit well with them. Perhaps... There were prophecies that were given in the name of Christ and the Holy Spirit that they didn't like. And so they just started to hate prophecies in general. We see something that might hint to this in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1-3. through Here's what it says. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. You see where I get that from then. It seems like somebody was prophesying about the return of Christ to let them know, to make them think the return of Christ had already come and that was upsetting them for, in, in a way. And so perhaps this is why they started to despise prophecies when other people would make them in their church. Whatever the reason, they hated them. They didn't like them. Now, I don't think you generally hate prophecy based upon my interaction with you. I wouldn't say that you despise it. I would say that you're cautiously skeptical Is that accurate? I would say generally speaking, in my interaction with you, when somebody talks about prophecy, you generally want to keep it at arm's length. That's just me picking up what you're throwing down, okay? I could be wrong about that. But is this the same as Old Testament prophecy? Here's where there's a big division in Christians at large about this topic. Is, Is this the same as Old Testament prophets? Because Old Testament prophets... They say things that are directly given to them by the Lord. And they use this phrase before they say these prophecies. They say, thus saith the Lord before their prophecies. And therefore, the people are to take those prophecies as God's very words. And that's why you see prophecies in the Bible, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, etc., 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 all these minor prophets, which means they're just smaller, not less important, by the way. The prophecies, and they're actually written down in the Bible, right? We see uh, this is 
tells us why this is like this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. That's talking about prophecy about Jesus Christ, his coming, his death, his resurrection, and his uh, return. That's prophecies from the Old Testament, that is. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture, he's talking about Old Testament prophecy here, comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy of, was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's talking about Old Testament prophecy. The question is, is New Testament prophecy the same? And I don't think it is the same. And I want to give you a couple reasons why. Let's consider New Testament prophecy. Prophecy is clearly a gift in New Testament, in the New Testament. It's clearly a gift. It's talked about many, many times. Many people prophesy, and it's not just the apostles that prophesy, by the way. Normal Christians prophesy. Stephen, we think he's probably a deacon. Stephen prophesies. So you see this gift throughout the New Testament, but I don't think it's the same as the Old Testament prophecy because if we're supposed to take New Testament prophecy on par with Scripture, why are almost none of them written down in the Bible? Almost none of the New Testament prophecies are actually written down in the Bible. That tells me I don't think they're on the same level then as God's very words. You tracking with me? Old Testament prophecy, Isaiah, Jeremiah, these are God's words, period. You obey them, period, right? New Testament prophecy, it's not included in God's word like that. Many of them aren't. So that tells me they have to be different somehow. Perhaps less authoritative than Old Testament prophecy. Now this goes in the face of some who will give a prophecy in their church or as a Christian and they'll use the phrase, thus saith the Lord, and then give a prophecy to somebody. I don't see how that's appropriate, friends. Because now you're actually elevating what the Holy Spirit has given you to say to the level of Scripture. You see a problem with that? I do. There's an issue with that. Because we see in 1 Thessalonians here, chapter 5, that we're actually supposed to test prophecy in the New Testament. So if it's supposed to be tested, nobody would ever say, test Isaiah's words. You know, test Jeremiah's prophecies. No, 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 that's silly, right? No, because that's God's word. So I'm, I'm saying all that to mention and to try to convince you <laughs> that New Testament prophecy is somehow different than Old Testament prophecy, not as authoritative as Old Testament prophecy. But you say, those spiritual gifts aren't around anymore. There are some people who believe that certain spiritual gifts continue all the way until Jesus' return, and some people who believe that certain gifts stop after the apostles died, that is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, those people, the apostles, once they are gone, once the early church is established, those gifts are no longer existing. That's what is the, the split is about. Can I ask you to raise your hand which one you are? Would that be appropriate? Okay, I said I heard a no, so that was probably my wife. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't, I just don't see in the Bible, friends, where it says that they aren't around anymore. I just don't see that in the Bible. I actually want to give you four reasons why prophecy is still a gift of the Holy Spirit for today. 
Okay, are you ready for this? And you're like, this guy's turning crazy. I'm just looking at the Bible, people. I'm just trying to say what the Bible says, okay? Here's the first reason, okay? Is we're told it's a gift of the Spirit. <laughs> we're told it's a gift of the Spirit. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy. We're specifically told this is a gift of the Spirit. Second reason, we're told to desire it earnestly. We are told to, we're commanded to desire prophecy, prophecy earnestly. Look at what it says, 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. God is telling you to earnestly desire to prophesy. The third reason is that we're told how to use it. We see that example here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Why are there instructions about how to do and not do this thing if it doesn't exist? The fourth reason why I say this is still a gift of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is because we're actually told it won't leave until Jesus returns. We're told that it won't leave until Jesus returns. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 8. As for prophecies... They will pass away. Well, it says right there they're going to pass away. But it's going to tell us when. They will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. The perfect is Jesus Christ, friends. We see in a mirror dimly until the return of Christ. And then we will not have any need for these kind of, prof- these kind of gifts. So we're specifically, explicitly told that these gifts are going to continue until Jesus Christ returns. Friends, we've overcorrected. We've overcorrected. Based on my knowledge of you, friends, I wouldn't say that you despise, like I said, prophecies. I think we just are generally skeptical of prophecies. And the Bible actually tells us to have a different attitude about them. It actually says, earnestly desire prophecy. Not be skeptical about it. Desire it, he says. But the text isn't over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, is it? He says here in verse, the second point then of this sermon and of this text is that we should test prophecies. We should test them. It says, do not quench the spirit, verse 19. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. But test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. All of this is connected to prophecy. Test everything. What's he talking about? He's talking about prophecy. <laughs> uh, you, he tells us not to, um, what's the word again? despise it but test it instead and the prophecies that are good you take those and you hold on to them tightly but the ones that are not good you reject those you abstain from them those are evil this is why i say that new testament prophecy seems to be different from old testament prophecy because evidently either he's saying that prophecy can have a mixture of truth and error Or he's saying that there is sometimes someone will give you a true prophecy who is a believer. Or sometimes they will be 
have good intentions but be mistaken. And you as a body have to figure out which one is which. And it seems to be that. Test prophecies. Hold fast. Abstain. We see this uh, taught again in First Corinthians chapter 14 about weighing what it said. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. That's similar to test, isn't it? Consider. Think about this. Use discernment here. In this prophecy. So you ask yourself, how are we supposed to test what prophecies are? How are we supposed to test prophecies? Well, there are other passages of Scripture where I'm giving you now to give you five different tests. Okay? I, I, I would never have thought I would preach something like this. <laughs> I just ne- never have thought I would preach something like this. But it's right there in the Bible, isn't it? So let me give you five tests for prophecies from God's word. The first one is the Jesus test. The Jesus test, there's two things that we're told about the, about spirit, the spirit of God and false spirits in relation to what they say about Jesus. The first one is in 1 John chapter 4, verse 2. God's word says, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So if somebody is, or if their prophecy is related to Jesus and denies that he is real in some kind of way, you know it's not true, right? Second part of the Jesus test is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. No one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. See, this This is more about the person who's speaking prophecy. If the content of what they're saying actually results in the demise of Jesus, they're putting Jesus down, then it's not a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's it's a false, you know there are false spirits, right? You do know that there are evil spirits. You believe that, right? That influence us, that tempt us can even give people messages, friends. And so we have to test these spirits. So if somebody is prophesying, and the result or the goal of their prophecy is basically to make them awesome, it's not from the Lord, friends. It's not, if it's not to lift up Christ, to exclaim and to, for the ultimate goal of his lordship, you know that it's not true and you should reject it. Amen? Second test for prophecy is the scripture test. The scripture test. Does it affirm teachings of the New Testament apostles and their understanding of the Old Testament? Does it correlate with, does it gel with the Bible? <laughs> who wrote the Bible? Other than, in addition to the people that wrote the Bible, who wrote the Bible? The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Men of God were Carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Don't you think the Holy Spirit is going to agree with what he wrote and the messages he gives to prophets? Of course. So then, if somebody says something, a prophecy, oh, I know that's not true because it says this in Psalm. It says that in Genesis. It says this in Ecclesiastes. I know that guy's an idiot. He's mistaken. Maybe that was too hard, wasn't it? The scripture test 
It says here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 6, this is John speaking, an apostle. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. John's talking about his message. His message about Christ and his understanding of Christ in the Old Testament. If somebody listens to us and agrees with what we're saying about Christ and our understanding of him and God's word, then you know that they're from God. But if they reject that and contradict that, then you know they're not from God. And you should reject those prophecies. There are many people who have prophecies, some people who have prophecies, and the ultimate goal is for them to get rich. Right? I'm I'm prophesying that if you just give a seed money of $100, then you're going to be blessed with $1,000 later. They want your money, friends. They're not concerned about the glory of Christ. False prophecy. Stop watching them on TV. Don't share that video on Facebook. You're spreading lies. Maybe even satanic content. fruit test the fruit test we've got the jesus test the scripture test the fruit test does it come from someone whose life is increasingly godly this is a mark of false prophets according to jesus in matthew chapter 7 beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves how do you recognize them you will recognize them by their fruit their fruits you recognize a false prophet by their life They don't live their life for Christ. They're about money. They've had six wives. Red flag. They've got a $10 million jet to replace their $7 million jet. Greed. Love of money. Hello. The fruit test. Fourth test. The recipient test. The recipient test. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 22, verse 22. Prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Now, later in chapter 14, God's word says that if there are unbelievers gathered and they hear prophecies and they have the secrets of their heart disclosed, they will fall down and worship him. So it doesn't seem to say that somebody who's not a Christian can't have a prophecy made about them. It seems to say that the ultimate goal is to encourage Christians. Because as Christians are gathered in their assembly, this looks so different from what we're like when we're together, doesn't it? As Christians are gathered in the assembly, somebody has a word of prophecy or they're preaching about a word of prophecy or something like that, and the secrets of people's hearts are disclosed who are unbelievers, the believers around will see that and say, God is really here. And they're encouraged and they're built up in their faith. The ultimate goal then for the recipient of prophecy is for believers and not for unbelievers. Makes me wonder about those prophecies who prophesy something about our country or something like that. It's completely unrelated to the church. That seems odd. Fifth test. The purpose test. The purpose test. The purpose of New Testament prophecy is to upbuild, encourage, or console. 
Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 14 again. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Is the goal, the purpose of the prophecy that you're hearing for that? Or is it to tell you about when doomsday is coming and you better get ready? Like Harold Camping has done about 45,000 times so far. He's been wrong every time, by the way. There are Christians who abuse this gift, aren't there? Have you seen it? Seen it on TV? Have you seen it? My, one of my favorites, or not favorites, is uh, when the guy get, takes his coat off and then he th- throws it, like waves it over the congregation. Have you seen that? And then like half of them like fall down. You've never seen that? This, is, this really happens, friends. This guy, his name is Benny Hinn, by the way. I should say what his name is. Because I think he is a false prophet, probably. He takes his coat off and he throws it, not throws his coat, but waves it over the congregation. And like 40 people just fall down in the aisle because they're, quote unquote, slain by the Spirit. And that makes me want to go, right? I don't want that. That's that's weird. I don't see that in the Bible, right? (laughs) And some of them are, are kind of harmless. Some false prophecies are harmless. It happened actually here in our church one time. It was when uh, Samaritan's Purse was here uh, for the floods. What year was that? 2014. Many people's basements were flooded, and Samaritan's Purse came here, um, a ministry um, from uh, Billy Graham's ministry. And they were camping out in our basement, and there were a few uh, cooks who helped provide meals for all the volunteers who came for those several weeks. And one of the cooks actually gave me a prophecy one night. She said, I've seen a vision and I want to tell you about it. I said, okay. She said, I've, I've, I, see a, I saw a tree and I saw a vast amount of leaves all on the ground under the tree. And I think that those leaves are all the people that God is going to bring to your church. And I said, well, that sounds great. You want to give me prophecies about money later or... That'd be great, you know. She came back later and said, you know what? Actually, I think those leaves actually represented all the, all the uh, donations that your people would give for this ministry. Because there's been so many things that your people have given. And I said, well, praise God. Mostly harmless, right? Not, that's, that's not really a huge deal. I mean, maybe... Maybe. Oh, great. Praise God. Nothing like you're not leading people astray from Christ. You're trying to encourage me here, right? A little weird, but okay, you know, because again, maybe I'm over here. <laughs> Other errors are really serious when it comes to prophecy. And this is something I need to warn you about as a sheep is that some people say things like prophecy is not just foretelling, but forthtelling is what they say, and they claim that this kind of prophecy is that when you speak things from positive thinking and speaking things positively, that you actually have the power to speak things into existence, is what some people say prophecy is. 
And that is very dangerous, friends. That's what they say is, happened when Ezekiel spoke to the dry bones and said, come forth, that kind of thing. They don't mention that it was God's words that caused the dry bones to come forth and live. <laughs> Not his words, it was God's words. Now, does God use his word through our mouth to really impact people? Of course. Isaiah chapter 55, as the rain and snow come down from heaven, do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that comes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. It's not going to return to me void. You just speak God's word, and he's going to accomplish something by it, because God's word is that powerful. But our words don't have that power, friends. I heard this recently. I heard this recently, like last week or two weeks ago, where somebody said, you know what, I've been offered a job, and the friend said, manifest it. And by that, she meant, think positively about the job and speak it into existence. Friends, only God can do that. Only God can do that. And if somebody is telling you to do something that only God can do, what kind of spirit do you think that is? It's certainly not the Holy Spirit. Friends, you need to run from this kind of prophecy. You 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 only need one test for that one, don't you? At the same time, I, I I think I hate that kind of thing. I think I despise that kind of prophecy because it leads people away from Christ. It subtly communicates that the goal of Christianity is to have your needs met too. And it takes the glory off of God satisfying us with himself and puts our eyes on the gifts of God. Friends, that will send you to hell. If you're not totally satisfied in God himself, what satisfies you the most, friends? Is it things he gives you or is it him? Real Christians are satisfied in Christ alone. If the only thing I get is Christ, then I'm fine. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. That's what Paul said. Is that true of you, friends? That's what a real Christian is. And so that means this kind of fake prophecy is actually leading people astray. And I hate that. But that is not prophecy. That's not biblical prophecy. It's fake. It's a lie. And it's not a gift of the Spirit. But that doesn't mean the Spirit doesn't actually give that gift. And so I think there's perhaps four different kinds of people here today. First kind of people is somebody who is closed. For some of you brothers and sisters, perhaps you've been completely closed to this idea of prophecy at all. You probably, I'm I'm just guessing, based upon our interaction, that you have probably been understanding that it doesn't exist anymore. You wouldn't even listen to a brother or sister if they said they had a word for you that they felt the Holy Spirit impressed to tell you. No, I just, no, I don't want anything to do with that. You, you go, go on TBN or something, you know. 
and you're closed. Friends that are closed, have you considered that that view just isn't found in the Bible? It's just not in the Bible. Have you considered that perhaps you've overreacted? Don't you see that God's word actually tells you not to do what you're doing? Do not despise prophecies. You are quenching the Holy Spirit in your life and in the lives of those around you because of your hatred of this gift. There might be another kind of person. You're skeptically open. Skeptically open. Okay, Pastor Jacob, you've shown me that it's in the Bible. It's, it's clearly in the Bible. This is really different than what I've understood. But you're basically still pretty skeptical about it. Maybe in a distant country where they don't have the developments that we have, things like that. Maybe there, then, maybe, but probably not, you know. Maybe you need to start where I have with this. And that is to simply start praying that the Holy Spirit would help you to be open with what he wants from you. Even if it's things you don't really understand. I'm not saying throw out the Bible. I'm not saying don't think. Of course, we're told to test. Perhaps some of you need to start praying. Holy Spirit, give me the gifts you want me to have. Even if it's things that I haven't really believed to be true. Now you say, well, why hasn't the Holy Spirit given these kinds of gifts among our church if they are really real? Maybe because we don't believe. Maybe because we don't have faith. Jesus says, I didn't do these certain works in this town because of their lack of faith. So, skeptically open. By the way, that's not biblical either. He says, earnestly desire this, not be skeptically open to this. Pursue it, he says. The third one is open. The Holy Spirit, you want to ask the Holy Spirit to give you this gift. So why don't you just start asking him for it, Christian? You love Jesus, you love the Bible, you read the Bible, you pray, you spend time with the Lord privately, you encourage other Christians. Why don't you just start asking God for this gift? I think that's a really clear implication here. If you're going to earnestly desire something, would you ask for it? Why not ask the Holy Spirit to give you, I can't believe I'm saying this. Why not ask the Holy Spirit to give you the gift of prophecy? <laughs> What's my dad going to think? I don't know. We won't tell him about you know. Some of you, this is a minority of you, perhaps just wide open. Just wide open. Full throttle. No, no sense of testing anything. So-and-so said something about this, and you know what? It happened, so I believe it no matter what. You know, false spirits can accurately predict the future, friends. Where do you think mediums get their power? The psychic on 15 Mile and Main Street might be a complete fake, 
Or she might actually be possessed by the devil, friends. You know that's in the Bible, right? Just because something comes true that somebody predicted doesn't mean it's of God. And so you're you're just like, oh yeah, so-and-so said this on wherever. Oh, and it's great because it's what I want to happen. Therefore, it's of God. What about the tests? Do you know that you're disobeying Scripture too, friends? Because the Bible says to test prophecies. And just to accept something because somebody says it's prophetic is disobeying God's word. Test prophecies. So I don't know which kind of person you are. And I don't know what you're going to take from this. (laughs) Um... Maybe that's one reason that I'm a little scared of it, because we like to control things, don't we? We like to make sure we got our thumb on things. And the Holy Spirit sometimes does things that we don't quite understand. And so it makes us a little nervous. (laughs) Friends, we don't have to be nervous of the Spirit of God. You don't have to be scared of the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that called you to salvation. It's the Spirit of God that gave you a new heart. It's the Spirit of God that encourages you when you're depressed, right? It's the Spirit of God that reminds you of the truth of God's Word when you're concerned or weary or confused. It's the Spirit of God who empowers you to do things for Him. The Spirit of God is not going to contradict the Word of God. He's not going to supersede the Son of God. He is going to do the will of God. And we can trust that it's going to be right. Let's pray together. 